You are listening to the Dradcast, episode 94, with special guest Ed Finkler. This episode of the Dradcast is brought to you by Pagely, the original WordPress managed host. If you're looking for rock-solid WordPress hosting, look no further than Pagely.com. Get ready for the Dradcast. Your favorite nerds. Brad Williams and Dre Armada bring you high-octane conversations with new guests every week. Covering the latest news, insight on recent events, and interviews with tech titans. Pour yourself a quality cocktail. What kind of cocktail? Sit back and chill. Because the Dradcast starts now. That's right. We're back. We're chilling. We're having a cocktail or soda. It's a Dradcast. Soda. Soda for Dre. Womp womps. Water for me. Even worse. What's up, brother? How's it going? Living the dream, baby. Nice to talk to you, bro. It's been uh, it's been a while. It's uh, it's good to be back on the air. Yes, for sure, for sure. And I know you're uh, you're fighting through some some sickness over there. You've had a rough rough go of 2016 so far. It's well, you know, Q4 2015 through now, man. It's like every month I'm catching the crud. I'm uh, back on uh, uh, a Z pack with bronchitis. I don't know what the hell's going on. It's crazy. Oh, that is no fun at all. I uh, with uh, with the new uh, sun in my life, I'm I'm getting exposed to all these random germs and sicknesses. So I'm starting to feel what it's like being a work at home guy. I don't leave a whole lot, so when I do, uh, venture out of my hobbit hole. Um, it seems like it's the littlest thing, and next thing you know, you're sick. So, um, hopefully, you feel better. But I know you had a big weekend not too long ago, and uh, brought home a little bit of bling around your neck. Bling, blinging. Uh, uh yeah. I, so I, I uh, drove out uh, with my professor, jujitsu professor, and two of my teammates out to Vegas uh, for the jujitsu uh, World League. Uh, Las Vegas Super Championship, and uh, had a couple a couple fights. Ended up in the finals. And um, ended up losing to a uh, Kimura in the finals, so I took uh, took second, but podiumed out. O- only thing I was missing was my WebDev Studios Dreadcast <laughs> patches on my gi. Gotta uh, represent. But put in work, man. We we crushed it, and um, in fact, uh, my two teammates uh, also pulled uh, pulled the podium. They they medaled out at gold, and my professor took bronze. So well, all four of us took uh, took some hardware home, man. It was a cool cool drive back over the state line for sure. That's awesome. Congrats on that. And you were in the, if I remember correctly, you said you're in the unlim- like the unlimited weight class. Is that right? So it's like there's no yeah, limit? So <laughs> I, I'm at this kind of weird spot in um, in my my training, my weight, uh, and, and being able to calculate that. So it seems that like some of these tournaments that aren't regular, regulated at the higher divisions or weight classes uh, kind of stop like at 209, 210. And I've been right around 212. 213 but what happens there is those divisions go 209 to unlimited so in this in this division there was uh six or seven guys and i was i i weighed in at 211 uh which 209 was the top and the next guy was right around 240 pounds so everybody i was fighting was 240 to like 270 pounds um it was it was Doesn't interesting sound to fair. Say it's like the uh, uh, well you sent me one picture of the guy it looks like the freaking the the mountain from uh Game of Thrones, like I'm just like, what? You have to fight this guy. Good luck. Yeah, 
Well, I tell you, if my uh, if my techniques on point, the size, uh, you know, at that at that difference shouldn't matter, um, and um, I, I fared pr- pretty there well. So yeah, man, you still got up there, so that's awesome. Congrats to that. Very uh, thank you, sir. Very cool to see you. All that hard work pay off. And you, you, uh, well, you were just out. Uh, you got some time down in the uh, Caribbean, didn't you? Yeah, buddy. Punta Cana went down for a week uh, for a wedding. My brother-in-law got married. Uh, didn't suck, that's for sure. Just hanging out on the beach, uh, took our son down there. That was really the only stressful fart part, being a uh, five-month-old, uh, taking him on an airplane for the first time. So stressful for all of us. Um, but it went really well. Had a great time. It was a little tough to come back, and it was snowing like a day or two later. But uh, can't stay down there forever, right? Plus, I'd probably die with all the unlimited food and drinks, so I had to get out of there. But it was, it was a good time for sure. Always, always nice to get a little downtime, relaxation, kind of unplug. Um, and just enjoy enjoy the beach and the and the sceneries and, and the world, you know. So uh, always good to see the daily Luke, Lucas post. So that, yeah, that was super cool. That dude knows how to chill. <laughs> He's a cool guy. So let's get into it, man. We got a great show, a great host, yeah, buddy. Uh, really excited for this one. I know we've uh, been chatting about having him on for a little while. Um, let's bring him on, Mr. Ed Finkler. He is the lead dev over at Graph Story, and he's also very passionate about mental health, a mental health advocate, uh, especially in the open source world. And we'll get in that a little bit. But Ed, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. How's everybody doing? I guess I heard already. One of you is going kicking ass, uh, beating up bald bull over there, and. Uh, <laughs> I, don't know, I forgot what you were doing. You're in the Caribbean. Or I was like on that. the beach, pretty okay. much drinking, you know, mojitos and, and, and put my toes in the sand. So two very oh, yeah, extremely okay. different, but different times we've had the last. Well, my face. Did you like? Did you maybe push over uh, like a cabin boy or something like that? Uh, like <laughs> yell at yell at somebody at the hotel? Yeah, yeah, we we got you know one too many mojitos, you might end up in that way. So you got to watch yourself. Yeah, more rum. We need more rum. <laughs> it's and, and funnily enough, I don't know if you guys watch Black Sales, but I've like you know went through all the seasons, just finished season three, a big uh, awesome show. If you haven't seen it about pirates in the Caribbean, so I was very much in that kind of pirate. Let's drink drink rum and and go swashbuckling mode. So I controlled myself. Though. I, st- I try to stay away from rum as much as I could. <laughs> It was a good time, though. But, um, yeah, definitely uh, glad to have you on. So i got to ask, your your Twitter handle, uh, if you if, if anyone listening isn't familiar with that, his Twitter handle is at Funkatron. Um, so I immediately thought of Toe Jam and Earl, and i got to wonder, are you is this related to Toe Jam and Earl, or is this something completely unrelated? Um, I think it was subconscious. Uh, I, I wasn't thinking of Toe Jam and Earl when I came up with that handle which was a long time ago. Back in like the old 19, Twitter days. No, like 1997 is when I Oh, started back when you that. first started. See, this is pre-Twitter. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. I so, registered Funkatron.com in 1999. Wow. Um, so, yeah. No, it, it very much predates that. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, uh, but I did a lot. I used to do video game fanzines when I was a kid and I was a big Sega Genesis dude. And so that was a, I suspect that wormed its way into my brain. Now I spell it differently because the planet is funk. Otron. 
and I spelled funk a tron. Ah, see, I didn't even I didn't even catch up on the difference. I immediately well, just saw yeah, it. Yeah, I mean that's that's why I'm on here. I'm the expert. All right. And well, now uh, we got that cleared up. I'm I'm really glad. I'm actually a, a bit of a Toe Jam Earl fan. You guys can't see. We have video nice. here, but I have I did. They have a new game coming out. They did Kickstarter, which was awesome. And I uh, oh, so I paid a stupid amount of money. To be a high level, you know, contributor, and I got these little Toe Jam and Earl figurines that I really love having on my desk. Love those games. Grew up with them. Played all three of them. Looking forward to the new one. Uh, yeah. Did you ever see that 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 Dreamcast one that some guy found on a dev kit? Uh, uh, no, I'm not aware of that. The last one yeah. I had was the uh, was the Xbox. The original Xbox had a Toe Jam and Earl, which was the third one. No, I didn't hear I, about that. I wonder if it was a Dreamcast version of that one, but there was a Dreamcast game, Toe Jam and Earl game, that was only found after somebody bought a dev kit on eBay. Wow. And it was on the hard drive. That's random. And, uh, yeah, you should look it up. I saw some video of it, um, I think, on this. Uh, there's, there's a YouTube show that's not too bad that I watch sometimes called Game Sack. And they talk a bunch about old games and I stuff. I definitely and, have to check into that. I had not yeah. heard of that. That is cool. Yeah, so it, it I, I would bet it's pretty similar to that Xbox version because we talk about the same time period, similar consoles. So, yeah. Wild stuff. Today I yeah. learned that there was an unknown Toe Maduro game out there that I now have to track down. So if you're listening right. and you can help me find it, please do. And I will be Googling later tonight. Uh, and I appreciate it, Ed, for ruining uh, Brad's productivity for yep, the rest done. of the week. Thank you. I gotta find yeah, it no. and figure out how to play it. Get an emulator He's going. I'm not even going to be talking on the podcast. <laughs> it's just be I'm literally downloading Searching it right torrent now. Sites trying I'm, to find if it. my yeah, bandwidth yeah. gets shaky, you'll know why. Uh, yeah. <laughs> very cool. So, so let's dive into a little more, a little more on the serious side. Uh, mental health. You're, you're, a, you know, you're an advocate for kind of the. Uh, mental health and tech. Uh, you run a, mm-hmm. a campaign which um, I wasn't familiar with until um, uh, you know. I think we chat online a little bit uh, over, via Twitter, and I saw what you were doing. I, a couple other people pointed us over to you to say that you were definitely someone we should be talking to. So you started a campaign called the Open Sourcing uh, Open Sourcing Mental Illness, and you have a website mm-hmm. osmihelp.org. Um, yep. Tell us a little bit about it. It's it's you know the mental health and and, and just tech is one of these topics that I feel like people are starting to, uh, or at least in the the, the circles I kind of run with in the tech industry are starting to talk about this more. And I feel like it's not it's nothing new, right? It's just I feel like it's something people mm-hmm. haven't really openly discussed that much uh, until more recently. So how did you yep. kind of get into this and, and, and into the idea of, you know, helping people with, you know, mental illness, IT world, talking about it, getting people, you know, opening those conversations? And, and how did you get into that? And, and, and we'll take it from there. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been dealing with stuff since I was a kid and I had kind of a rough junior high experience and I actually started seeing a uh, – I started getting uh, treatment, ongoing stuff, seeing a therapist and taking some medication when I was like 13, right? So I've been dealing with this for a long time. Um, but uh, the, uh, the the thing that sort of motivated me to turn this into sort of a, like a thing that I talk about like and advocate for in tech, it really kind of started up with, uh, what was, it would have been 2011, I think. 2011, 2012, well, 2012. Let's say that I'm real good with these numbers, right? And uh, it was, it, it. I talked about it quite a bit on episode 15 of our podcast that I do with a guy named Chris Harches. 
uh, or Grumpy Programmer on Twitter without the U. And this is the we Development about Hell podcast. The Development Hell podcast. Okay, we'll get it linked over in we, our show notes. Uh, yeah, I think you can stick that in show notes. But yeah. Um, yeah, so, okay, so what happened was, you know, I, I've always been dealing with this stuff. This is not, so this is not something new that it was like, oh, I had an episode and suddenly this is something I'm taking more seriously and talking openly about. No, I mean, I've been, I have chronic, uh, anxiety issues, uh, and have had a lot of issues with depression. Um, I was diagnosed as, as having attention deficit hyperactivity disorder when I was 27, um, and I, I, I had all those issues, you know, way back in childhood too. So, uh, it had been dealing with a long time I mean, we're 40 years old now. So this is, this is not a new thing, you know, 26, 27 years where it's really been an active thing that I've been dealt with every day. However, so it was a few years ago. Um, and I was at a, I was at a conference, a PHP conference, uh, and, uh, and I had spoken uh, as a as a as a you know about technical topics like that's most of what you talk about at developer conferences, um, you know quite a bit. Um, just talk about PHP, JavaScript, crap like that. And I had uh, a really bad experience at this one conference. It had nothing to do with the conference itself, but it was kind of this perfect storm of stuff that went wrong and. I've always had, like, I've always, you know, I travel these conferences. I always, there's times where I just, like, feel out of, like, I sort of go into a bad state, you know, mentally. I've always kind of had that. But this one was real bad. And it had to do with, um, I forgot to bring medication uh, that I take on every, you know, daily basis. I uh, didn't have uh, my CPAP, which is, I have sleep apnea. So need that, or I sleep like crap from because I don't breathe when I sleep. And then uh, you also got, uh, and so the combination of not sleeping and not having those meds, and you know, there's a real physical thing that goes on if you don't take some of that medication because you know anxiety and depression are really they're stress responses and they have real physical things going on in your body. It's not just like oh it's just in your head, but it on it's not it doesn't affect you in any way. Actually, it dramatically affects you and has impacts on things like your immune system and stuff like that. Well, uh, not getting enough sleep, not having some stuff under control, uh, I got real sick too. <laughs> So this is great. You know, I'm at a conference, uh, don't have the meds I need to take, uh, can't sleep, get sick. Uh, pretty, pretty crappy experience. And I was real down. That puts you in a pretty bad state. Didn't want to be there, wanted to head home, you know. And I, I, you know, I was able to. I, it, we, I kind of salvaged it at the end. I was able to call in a couple of prescriptions because my doctor is cool. Um, and my wife helped me with that because she's an RN and knows how to navigate that more easily. Uh, so... I had this just kind of poor experience, right? And it, it just got me thinking about stuff, probably stuff I've been thinking about for a little while, about what it's like to work in tech, uh, what it's like to, you know, really what it's like to be me and who's me. I'm a guy who's been a developer now, coming on 20 years. Um, and what is that experience like, uh, you know, as a husband, as a, as a father, as a, as a developer? Um, and, 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 I've been thinking a lot about that stuff, but I think it kind of hit home a little bit more. It, and that, that I said, you know what, I think I want to talk about this, and I think the podcast might be a vehicle for this. So I talked to Chris, and 
know, Chris and I, uh, it's a pretty uh, goofy-ass show. You know, we kind of, you know, joke around. We're just a couple of old web developers, right? So we're just, uh, you know, talking and uh, sounding grumpy and, and, and peeved at <laughs> stuff and, you know, busting jokes, right? We're talking about sponsorship before the thing's recording started, and I was like, "Yeah, basically, we kind of make fun of our sponsors. So <laughs> some of them aren't real into. That's why maybe we don't get as many as we should. But I don't know. People love it, so they listen anyway. So we're just kind of we're you know, it's kind of a funny. It's supposed to be kind of funny, not always, but you know, there's a, a jovial atmosphere about it. You know, Chris is like, "Well, you know, that doesn't." It sounds kind of heavy, man, but you know, hey, if that's what you want to do, I'm I'm full behind it, you know. And Chris hasn't necessarily had a kind of same problem that I have, but he and he wasn't like, oh, I totally feel what you're doing, but he was like, well, I'll give you a shot, and he was, you know. So he kind of intros me, and then I just sort of go off and basically ramble for an hour, an hour and a half, just all over the place, just like what life has been like since I was. You know, I had had again. Yeah, my junior high was real tough, and I got kind of bullied a lot. Not kind of, I got bullied straight up. <laughs> you know, not not beating around the bush there. And it was a really rough experience, and it's 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 you know uh, impacted me dramatically in terms of like how I emotionally handle stuff. You know, and and just other aspects of the person that I am and who I've always been, whether before junior high or after, always been this kind of person. You know. Um, and had certain things that the way my brain worked, I always knew it was a little different. And, but I just talked about that and talked about the difficulty of feeling like, you know, it seems like other people are able to, to do stuff and get stuff done. And you seem like you never can, and you can't get your stuff together. You always feel like you screw stuff up, even though you're like, I know I could do this if I could just focus. And I don't understand why all these other people have, like in school, it was always like, why, how is it like some people like can get their work done and like I can't like it's a huge chore to get myself to focus on stuff and things like that. Well, it turns out, you know, no, actually what was going on was it was part of the way my brain worked and I didn't have any help. Right. You know, my brain worked a certain way and that wasn't a way that sort of worked that sort of corresponded well with a standard academic system. And, um, you know, I, 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 but other ways it's, it worked real well, you know, to help in certain, for certain kinds of things. So dealing with the anxiety, dealing with the depression I've dealt with for a long time and just talked openly about that, talked about what it was like to be at that conference, what it's like for, you know, for me just, so it was just me talking about it. Right. And, you know, he was basically just, you know, kept his mouth shut. It's probably the episode he spoke, he spoke in the least. And, uh, so we, you know, we get in this, record it, put it up, and the response is crazy. More than, I mean, so we've done what, like seventy-five episodes, and still to this day, number fifteen is the one we got the most response from. That's awesome. so many people writing in, right? So many people coming in and saying, you know, I got the same kind of stuff too, but I don't ever talk about it with anybody. It's only like two people know. Maybe my wife knows, or maybe my wife doesn't really know. You know, maybe I'm the only person who's ever, you know, I, I don't really tell people what's going on in my head. Uh, I, you know, I got a, I got a brother or a sister or a mom or a dad who deals with stuff, or maybe I lost them because of stuff like this, or, you know, so you get people writing in and they're like telling you just how amazing it was just to hear somebody talk about it. And it's crazy because I'm just like, I don't know. I, for me, it wasn't, it was just like what I felt like I needed to do because I'm this kind of person who always like, 
I guess the biggest thing is big driving force I've always had is trying to be understood and like how important that is to me. Uh, my therapist told me a few months ago, she says, you know, what you got is you have a confessional personality. <laughs> and uh, I think that's right. Like, so I'll, you know, it's like I just really want to do that. So for me, being able to talk about it, it kind of wasn't a huge deal. I wasn't freaked out about it. I was just like, you know, I guess I got old enough where I just didn't give a crap about it anymore. Well, that's powerful, right? I mean, I, I yeah, mean, right. <laughs> the, the, well, the challenge is that there's this huge stigma around mental health and the disorders that, that that kind of fall in that area, and oftentimes people are really just shut off and and don't openly speak about these experiences, and that's challenging for people to maybe grasp or gain awareness about it. Uh, one, in the capacity of maybe they don't have these same issues, or two, they do, but they're not sure how to talk about it because no one else is talking about it. So. How do we raise awareness and educate folks in, in you know, into understanding kind of these things happen and it's okay and it's yep. okay to talk about them and, and it's okay to work together to kind of, uh, you know, help each other. What, what, what do we do? Well, yeah, real good question. And that kind of that dovetails nicely into the, what I've been doing the last three years. I mean, it starts off where I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. We get this huge response. I'm like, what do I do with this? Clearly I've hit on something, right? You know, clearly it's like, there is something here. This is touching a lot of people in a way that nothing else I've been talking about. You know, some stupid like, here's how to write JavaScript applications. I never I don't. People don't write me in about that, <laughs> right? They're not like, man, that changed my life. You know, nobody says that about that stuff, right? And it's not like it's not cool. I mean, it's fine, but you know, this is something different, right? And so. I'm like, I'm not sure what to do with this. And, of course, I'm thinking kind of developer, like, maybe I do this, maybe I do make a website, maybe, you know, and I'm thinking of this stuff. And none of it really clicks for me. None of it seems like stuff that I know well enough, like, what I'll stick to doing and what I won't. As somebody with ADHD, I've learned that about myself. And I'm kind of like, none of this stuff feels like things I can do. It. And so I think about it for a few months, and I'm just like, you know what I need to do is just keep talking about it, right? So that's what I do. So I take it, I start, do up uh, some thoughts on a talk and start proposing it at kind of these same conferences. I've been giving talks about like, here's a PHP framework or here's some JavaScript stuff you do and like how to use it. And I get, uh, so I start proposing this talk and I get to give it at this, uh, I start giving it at, at uh, conferences, right? Developer conferences. And uh, people love it. People are like, I get the same kind of response. I keep getting it. People coming up and talking to me, talking about how, or emailing me and saying how much it meant to them or how how great it was that I did this. And I'm like, man, I just got up and talked about myself. I mean, I just felt like I'm kind of, you know, I'm just getting up there. All I'm talking about is what it's like. So that would be like what awareness stuff is, you know, and that, that's really how this these things that I started talking about, this talk that I give, and I call it call it a speaking campaign. It started off really being about, awareness and that awareness is really look i'm a person probably not totally unlike you and i have this stuff going on and i'm going to talk a little bit about what it's like so that's what that talk was right so for a few months that's just what i do for several months that's that's kind of the talk i give right and then i start thinking more about like what is it you know what can you do about situation as it is with and I have to think about it from the community that I know and the community that I know is open source tech stuff right that's what I know and so that that some of that's business oriented some of that's very like not commercial at all 
but all of it, th- that's where I, that's where all my bread and butter is. Right. And that's the community I've been in for the last 15 years. Right. So it's all, and it's about that communal learning and working with each other and sharing what you've learned. And, 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 and that's what I dig about it so much. And so that community and the community of people who are like me, who work in tech, uh, those are the folks I start thinking about. What can you do? Like, what are what are the things that can make a difference? And I started thinking about it. And this is kind of U.S. centric because I'm in the U.S., you know. So not surprisingly, but I think about how, you know, your a couple things. First off, how your medical coverage, primary conduit for healthcare in the United States, is the workplace. It doesn't mean you go to work to get healthcare, but your your access to healthcare primary conduit for that is the workplace. So the workplace has a lot to do with that, whether it should or shouldn't, has a lot of like, like what happens at work says a lot about what healthcare you're going to have access to, what you're going to understand about health issues and things like that. And then uh, second thing I start thinking about is, you know, you spend tons of time at work. And one of the things that's always has been as a developer, you know, how much impact What's going on with my brain in, uh, you know, have, whether I have a good day, bad day, stuff's real hard right now, I'm having some bad times or I'm having some better times, how much impact that has on my productivity and how much stuff that happens at work and the way that I interact with the people at work and that work environment, how much impact that has on me. Because the folks that you spend time at with at work, they might be the social group you spend the most time with, period. Mm-hmm. A lot of us. You know, most I know I spend way more time. I mean, I work remotely the past five years. I spend way more time talking to people at work or talking to people at the co-working studio I'm at, you know, eight, nine hours a day than I see my family or than I see any of my friends, let alone I might see them once a week at most. Right. So uh, that's the social group that has you're spending most of your time with and that has a huge impact. That's that's the environment you're in. Right. You know, and we're social creatures, human beings are. So, like, we belong to those social groups and how that's what and sort of the values and the mores of those social groups has a huge impact on, like, what's okay to talk about, what's not okay to talk about, how we're supposed to feel about certain things and stuff like that, whether, you know, that kind of stuff. So I started thinking about that stuff and I start looking up things about, like, okay, well, what, you know, what's the prevalence of this kind of stuff? Like, first off, and, like, how does that impact, say... Um, job performance, things of that nature. And what kind of impact does that have on the workplace with dealing with mental health issues? And so what I discovered uh, in just research and stuff, things like that, that most places, you know, it kind of depends on how you, how you define it. But in the U.S., most North America, to include Canada too, and most other develop, developed countries, whatever that means, you know, like high economically successful countries and more industrialized um, mostly you're talking about like 20% of the population on a, on a year, on a year to year basis has some kind of mental health issue going on that would, that would classify that medically would classify as X that was like, this was a disorder as opposed to just like a little blip, you know, something that you had a kind of a rough day, you know, and it went away. Um, so 20%, that's a lot of people. That's one out of every five. That's a lot. Right. That is a lot. So I can guarantee you just think about, you know, places you work at number of people that are dealing with this stuff are a lot higher than people have probably ever talk about it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So that's the first thing I start. I'm thinking a lot about that stuff. 
And the second thing I'm thinking about is that is is that what kind of impact does it have? And so I started doing research on this again and seeing you know what what kind of impact this has on um, you know what how how do you measure disability caused by these things? And you find out you look at a study done by the World Health Organization and they have this metric called disease burden. So this um, is more on the economic impact. It, it, yeah. Is, so is I'm trying. I mean, essentially, what I'm trying to do is my suspicion was the cases that that this that there's more than an a, an argument of, hey, this is like an outlying thing that's not really a big deal, but boy, aren't shouldn't we feel sorry for these people and we should try to help them? That my suspicion was it wasn't just that that it's actually really prevalent and that we don't Certainly. do stuff about it. So that was my suspicion. And I would say that in general, from what I found, it is the case that it, all my suspicions were basically confirmed. So a few things. The first off, the World Health Organization did the last time they did this global burden of disease study, and it was in the early 2000s. Now, they held in that, in that report that um, they have this metric called disease burden, which is uh, basically mortality of a kind of condition, like, say, cardiovascular disease, cancer, other kinds of things. And then, uh, and then years live with or years lost to disability, productive time lost to a disability, and they measured that in all areas that neuropsychiatric disorders were the number one cause of disease burden everywhere in the entire world. So, okay, I got that, and I'm like, okay, so. Higher disease burden than cancer, higher disease burden than heart disease. But how much are we really talking about this? How willing are we to talk about this? And then, so I do this survey in 2014. We got about 1,400 respondents. And you're going to have some self-selection there, of course, because people who are interested in this topic, maybe people who have dealt with it and are willing to fill, you know, send out a survey. But we do this survey. And the numbers that you see in terms of, like, willingness to talk about this stuff, if you compare... Like, hey, are you willing to talk with your employer about a physical health issue versus a mental health issue? The difference is staggering. It's like half as many people are willing to talk about a mental health issue than a physical health issue. Well, it goes issue. back to the stigma, right? The stigma. Right, right. exactly. Exactly. So despite the fact that this is the, the number one cause of disease burden in the entire world, and despite the fact that, I, you know, I can go into, there are tons of evidence that workplace absenteeism uh, is much higher because of these kinds of conditions. Stuff doesn't get treated because we're not willing to talk about it. And at the flip side of it are workplaces who, who tell us, you know, they have wellness programs or things like that, who tell us kind of, you know, and give us information about what our coverage is like, insurance and things of that nature. They're not talking about it either. Nobody's really talking about it to the extent of how important it is and what kind of impact it has on everything from productivity to just like being. So there's like this level of we should try to help people because we're just good human beings. But there's also this case of there's actually a real business reason for doing it. Yeah. So to that point, I mean, I I, when when I look at that, hey, we're. Beyond the, hey, let me help you because you're not feeling uh, good and you need a hug because I need a hug on occasion. No, now we've got we've got metrics. We've got quantifiable evidence that this is uh, uh, a highly economical, uh, you know, driven and impactful thing. Why the hell are we not putting more emphasis on fixing this? Yeah, I mean, which is the, which is really the thing you get into is like, OK, yeah. so 
So, uh, you know, I started giving, so my talk started including a lot of this stuff, right? And then I'm kind of getting from some from from some folks who maybe are folks who've started companies, things like that, because I talk to those folks a lot. And I if they're in my talks, I say, hey, you guys, you're number one on the list for who needs to care about this, because in any organization, if you really want culture change, the things that are valued are things that come from the top down. And so if you're, say, C-level executives, your founders, your folks like that. What they value is what that company is going to value. And that's what mm-hmm. dictates that culture, right? I mean, it can come from other directions, but it is much harder to do that. Uh, so, you know, I get some feedback from them and they're like, okay, I see your point. You've made an excellent case for why this is a real problem. So what do we do? Sure. And that's a good question. Because I'm not, I'm not an occupational psychologist. I don't have any background in HR shit. I don't even have any background in 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 psychology or psychiatry, you know, I, I, I know some stuff because I've been dealing with it for so long, but I'm sure, not, sure. I'm not a, you know, I don't have any training in it or anything like that. I mean, I, I, what I can tell you is I like tacos I and mean, that's, that's, that's about all you're getting out of me. What I do know is that osmihelp.org is a good starting point to start the discussion, that dialogue. What other resources are, are you seeing that are, are kind of stepping up to the plate here to try to try to figure this whole thing out? Right. So there's a so there's a few different ones. I mean, first I'd say OSMI uh, help.org. I've got some volunteers who are working. We're all working together on this stuff, trying to build documentation that is designed specifically to help people answer those questions and to create more supportive workplaces. And so I try to talk more about that in my talks, too. So that's part of it. Um, there's some good there's a, a if you are trying to get a speaker, come and talk at a technical conference or maybe at your company or things like that. Well, one, we can do that stuff. And, you know, I, I, I've, I've come to talk to companies directly, too, and things like that. There's also an organization called Prompt, uh, which is at mhprompt.org. I better make sure that address is correct before I screw it up. Prompt.org. Uh, I got a computer right in front of me. Here we go. You can probably hear me typing. Yeah, mhprompt.org. And that's a really good place to just you can contact them and say, hey, we're interested to have a speaker. And they can also they do funding and things like that to help out with all this stuff. Right. So awesome. Right. And I've they've helped. They've paid for some of the stuff that I do. You know, it costs money to go travel places. Of course, it does. a lot of of conferences don't cover that stuff. Right. So true story. (laughs) um, So, you know, uh, for a lot of these, you know, I I have, have done my own fundraising and then prompt has some monies available to them as well to try to keep talking about this stuff. Um, You know, one of the things, it's a good question to talk about, like, you know, what are some of the orgs that are doing this? I think think it's coming here and there, and there's different folks who are kind of talking about this inside or outside of some of the stuff I do or some of the stuff Prompt does and things like that. Um, I think that uh, in terms of, like, if I, without going through a giant five-step plan or something like that, there's a couple things I can tell you about like if you're like hey i want to do something about this like in my workplace there's sort of a couple i guess you think of as principles or things that you can do i mean i mean the first thing is that change is like really hard like you're gonna need to be like you might have to make a real commitment to doing something and like talking about stuff that might be a little bit scary and that's tough but like it's real you've got to start yeah somebody's got to start oh, having yeah. this conversation about it mm-hmm. one of the things i think can really help a lot and I, I've taken this course, and it's like a day-long course, at least the one in the U.S. It's in 22 different countries, though. It's called Mental Health First Aid. 
And if you're in the U.S., you can go to mentalhealthfirstaid.org. Um, if you look around, they'll, they'll have a link to the international site, too. It actually started in Australia. And you can link out if you're in another country, mostly European countries or Australia um, and Canada. You can, you, know, you can get courses there. And basically the idea is that you take this course and it ta- talks to you about how to identify people who are maybe in a crisis situation. Or even if they're not in a crisis situation, identify kind of that somebody who's maybe having some trouble and then how to interact with them in an empathetic way that actually helps them seek treatment. That's the key thing. You're not trying to diagnose people. You're not like, well, this is the thing that I need to tell them that's going to fix their problem. And as developers, we always want to fix people's problems, right? <laughs> that's something you don't you don't want to try to do because you don't have any background in it. And trust me, uh, it, it's not this is not something you can solve with an app, right? Sometimes stuff like that can help, but in general, this is not something that you're like, oh, well, if I do this, 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 that's going to magically fix it. It doesn't work that way. Um, but what it does do is it teaches you how to interact with folks in a way that make that helps them feel empathized with and makes it more likely that you can encourage them to seek help and steps that you can take to help them seek help, right? And that's the key thing you want to do. What I find is that you take that course, it kind of changes the way you look at stuff and how you interact with people. And you can take that and you can apply that to like all the kinds of interactions that you have in your workplace or otherwise. So I really feel strongly about taking this course. I think it, you know, some places you can take it for free. I paid 50 bucks and they had lunch. I had a box lunch. So that's a deal. Right. And I know you can get it cheaper in other places, too. The second thing is just like talk about it. Like if you go take this class, like take a freaking selfie, you know, while I'm at the class, you know, maybe not during the class, but like in between, you know, when you're eating your box lunch um, or something like that. And just talk about it and say, hey, I'm taking this class, da, 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 you know, hey. And it's not like you got to go up to people and be like, hey, so uh, are you depressed? You know, necessarily. Yeah. And, that, that, you know, that's just not a good way to handle anybody, even if they do seem like they're having a tough time. But you might, you know, you kind of say, hey, yeah, I took this course. Like, talk about it openly. And you don't have to be like, yeah, you know, I really had a tough time and I started taking medication. But you maybe can talk openly about, like, I do talk openly about it. It doesn't mean that you have to. But the stuff that you do feel comfortable with, like, it's okay to talk about it. Um, most of the time what I run into is not people who are, like, jerks about it. But people just are scared to talk about it because they don't know what to say. That's and they the don't know it's what like, to do. Do right? I say something wrong where I offend or frustrate or make somebody even you know worse off? Uh, not not me right. specifically, but in general, that I, th- I see that happen. Uh, but starting the discussion and being okay with with learning about it and and openly engaging. Uh, around that conversation is exactly right. wh- what we need to uh, be stewards of. Open sourcing mental illness, uh, that is just epic. And I really appreciate you having the discussion and the dialogue with us today here because uh, you truly are changing how we talk about mental health in the tech community. And I I certainly appreciate it. I've had family members and friends that have had um, – things that they've had to deal with um, uh, for, for many years. And, um, and so it's close to my heart. And uh, I certainly appreciate every doing, uh, everything you're doing. Yeah, OSMIHelp.org uh, is definitely where you need to go check that out. And I think you should bring Ed over to your conference because, holy shit, he just nailed it uh, 100. Um, I'd like to get into a couple uh, news topics uh, for this week. We've got some exciting stuff to talk about, some really geeky stuff that I'd like to hear your opinion, Ed, and Brad's maybe a little bit. So if we can rock and roll, 
Ah, let's push into this week's pressing topics. That right. would have been your segue. Let's do that. <laughs> pressing topics of the week. And you're on. No, I played it uh, and it was muted, so I I did do it on time there, just for the record. <laughs> uh, well, it's yeah. it's okay. So the segue was on time, but one of us has sausage fingers. Uh, so there's <laughs> pretty that. much. Uh, <laughs> uh, wow! So hard, hard, tough to to follow up on such an awesome um, uh, intro and er, early portion of the show. So uh, certainly appreciate that, Ed. Um, although newly released. And I'm excited about it. As of yesterday, WordPress 4.5 dropped. Man, there's some really cool stuff that they've added here. Uh, A lot of contributors, in fact, at WebDev Studios. And we've got at least, I think, four, including you, Brad Willems. You're back on the the contributor list. That's what I do. So, yeah. So (laughs) 4.5 of WordPress, Coleman, in honor of jazz uh, sax guy, Coleman Hawkins. Uh, which is typical of of uh, Matt Mullowick naming it after a jazz uh, jazz player, so that's pretty cool. But did you, did you get a chance to play with it yet, guys? Uh, check out WordPress by chance. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I played with it. Um, definitely a great release. Really like uh, some of the more standardized things they included that pretty much everyone was doing anyways. But now there's a standard way to do it. Things like custom logos. Almost every site has a logo, right? Whether you're a blog or a business, you probably have a logo. Um, it's nice to have a standardized way to support logos and themes now. So it's not everyone just doing it diff- crazy different ways. There's now a standard way to do it. So all the themes can start updating, uh, switching people over that. Same for, I believe, fave icons um, and now these home screen uh, image buttons as well. So I-, I like when we standardize things that everyone's doing anyways because it just makes life easier, right? Um, cool release. Glad it came out. Would have liked a little bit more REST API action, but uh, that's okay. It's okay. We'll get there. Um, but it, always excited when a new, new release comes out, you know, on time as well. So Patience, young grasshopper. Yes, sir. And I got my props. Pretty excited to, to see my name back on the list, getting some code back in core. Always a good feeling, to be honest. Let me ask you this, Brad. If I get props uh, next release cycle along with you, do you think they'll put us in there as Dradcast? Oh, man. We should probably make that happen. <laughs> now we just awesome. gotta get some code accepted. <laughs> yeah, well, good luck with that. They'll be like denied, Dre. Denied. Anything you touch, eh. no way. Yeah, we could try, uh, man. So, you guys hear the latest on the on the FBI Apple saga and that whole whole uh, gig with the cracked uh, cracking the terrorist iPhone? How they uh, they outsourced it? Um, geez, I mean, I, I I still don't understand how that something like that even becomes public. Like, if you're the FBI and you're looking to crack this phone. Um, you, you know, in an unprecedented fashion, you ask uh, um, uh, a public company to come out and basically change their whole or re- retool a whole operating system um, and kind of go back in into the Stone Age in terms of all the progress that they've made in terms of their security uh, stance and, and coding over the years. And then you end up hiring some hacker crew uh, from outside of the country to go do this. And that becomes public. I mean, what the? What the hell were they thinking? What's your guys' take on that? Um, I think that their motivation was not entirely just to get access to that phone, but to establish a legal precedent. Uh, Shucky ducky, say it ain't so. Yeah, right. I mean, and a lot of people said this. I'm not saying anything that hasn't been talked about, but the, you know, if they legally established this would be a legal precedent established that they can compel a company 
to aid them in unlocking a device. That means that they can do it again, and maybe it's not somebody who was a very slam-dunk terrorist. Maybe it was somebody who they just didn't like. or maybe That's it was, right. And then it gets a little more questionable, but they can still make a case that they can legally compel a company to do this. And I believe that is the key reason why it was so important to fight against this. I, I um, couldn't agree absolutely more. terrifying when you think about it. Scary. I mean, talk about opening the floodgates of just zero privacy for anything, you know. So I'm well. Let, let me ask this, uh, Brad, Ed, because that's the U.S. That is the U.S. Mm-hmm. trying to push this against this large company and setting precedences. I, I think I'm, uh, along the same lines, that's exactly where they were heading, or at least that was the the primary reasoning behind it. You can hide behind whatever, you know. Uh, uh, you, you call shit rose, it still smells like shit. Like, that's the reality. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's the U.S. What happens when China tries this, right? So if the precedence is set there, is that an international thing? Like, when China goes, no, you need to go ahead and crack this, what happens to Apple then or whatever company they're pressuring at that point? I mean, this becomes a worldwide just issue um, in terms of privacy and security. That's a scary thing. Well, I mean, you got to remember a lot of companies who now do a bunch of business in China, let's say Google, I mean, go back 10 years and remember Google uh, decided to, in order to do business in China, they compromised some of the values that they held in terms of like allowing full access to the Internet and stuff like that. Most companies have been over because they want to be in China because they feel like they can make a lot of money there. But, you know, uh, it is absolutely the case that uh, they allow – in order to do business in certain, you know, legislative areas, uh, they will compromise and uh, have to play by the rules, the laws of that country. And they, they may very well, and I'm, I'm, I'm 100% sure, although I can't cite, a re- cite one right now, that it's absolutely been the case that it's been used to suppress dissidents or other kinds of, you know, political enemies or things of that nature. Um Throughout many countries. So that's something that happens. And if you want to be an international company and you want to play by the rules in, say, China or other countries that have uh, significantly fewer uh, uh, freedoms of speech and, 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 and that nature, protected rights uh, for its citizens, uh, that's what you got to do. Or you don't play there, right? That's, yeah, I you know. And it stinks. But you know what? Those companies are more interested in making money. Uh, than they are, you know, also because they're mostly public companies, so they're compelled by their shareholders to continue making money. Uh, so that's why they get into those markets. And that's, you know, that's the price you pay. I was really happy to see uh, Apple really push back hard on this because I feel like when all the NSA stuff blew up and we kind of realized how extensive some of the surveillance uh, that was going on that, you know, most of us weren't aware of, to, at least to that extent, certainly a lot of... Uh, theories about it but nothing really no no real proof it kind of felt like all of these larger companies just said we're just really doing whatever the government asks of them you know um and it kind of felt like being betrayed a little bit by companies that you trusted um so to to know that apple basically said look we're not going to do this and and there's a very good reason why um it felt like they were standing up for for you know the encryption for the privacy for what really the consumers want and I'm really happy to see Apple do that and see a bunch of other 
uh, very large companies kind of stand behind them. Uh, I think Google and Facebook and a lot of the other ones that, you know, we probably all use day in and day out kind of stood up as well and says, no, you know, we're not going to do this. So I have, I'm hoping at the very least that sets a bit of a trend of, look, we're not going to do just everything you ask of us. There is a line. There is a, you know, th- that is drawn that we're, we're not going to step over. Whether that will happen, who knows. Whether we will know half the time, who knows. But nice to see this, at least Apple publicly push back on this and push back pretty hard. I mean, you got the, the, the largest government in the world going up against the largest company in the world. Um, this would have been a very interesting case had it moved forward. Oh yeah, uh, it won't be the last of their troubles or discussions, uh, you no. know, or or you know, court appearances between them. I mean, there's been others, just not as highly publicized or uh, driven by media. Um, but there have been other cases. Uh, some have not ended as as uh, as well as as this one have, at least uh, for now. Uh, but it really doesn't matter at the end of the day because when robots and artificial intelligence take over, uh, we're not going to have to worry about a lot of this shit anymore. It's just the reality that we're running into. Uh, there's companies like Microsoft actually kind of heading that route and playing with AI. A lot of companies are. Uh, Google's doing the same with the robot that they just revealed in ter- terms of uh, maybe how manual labor uh, is is um, is taken uh, into consideration by companies down the road. The, the one that really cracks me up, though, is the, the teen girl AI that Microsoft uh, pushed out long time, uh, not too long ago, a couple weeks ago, but within an, a day of pushing it out, like the thing started turning into like a Hitler-loving sex robot <laughs> and releasing just some, you just atrocious uh, comments and discussion. It was uh, Brad, we we were giggling in our our, uh, our chat rooms over this man. Like it just went apeshit crazy, man. Oh, it was. I mean. Some guy named Jerry put out a perfect tweet, and it's highlighted <laughs> in this article. It basically says that Tay, which was this AI bot on Twitter that Microsoft released, went from humans are super cool to full Nazi in less than 24 hours, and I'm not at all concerned about the future of AI. And, I mean, that, that you know, that nails it, right? Like, this is a little bit scary. Now, Tay, this, you know, artificial intelligent, uh, you know, robot, whatever, that was working through Twitter, it was learning based on conversations it was having with people online through tweets and uh direct messages so i mean i i'm not the smartest guy in the world but i gotta know that's probably a bad idea because if not most people on the internet just want to do stupid stuff right it feels like and this was just microsoft just you know teed it up and said here you go in less than 24 hours this thing i mean we can't even read most of the tweets that this this bot was putting out i mean they're bad they're really bad (laughs) and it was just crazy crazy how it went down Forte. Yes. Such good intentions. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. You know, I'm not sure what the big deal is. Taking a <laughs> a picture of uh, Adolf Hitler and circling his face and writing swag alert underneath it. I'm not sure what the problem is, guys. I mean. Oh, uh, cold game, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's crazy. Like, it, you just look at the tweets. It's just like, you're like, oh, man, that's bad. And the next one, you're like, oh, man, that's worse. And they just keep getting worse. I mean. It's it's yeah. it's insane, but yeah, it's it's a little I, bit scary. We start thinking about AI, and we've talked about AI a lot on this show because it's pretty. It's an interesting topic. I think anyone in the geek and tech world at all just thinks it's a cool topic and something that we know is going is happening, and we'll only keep evolving in our lifetime. But stuff like this makes you pause a little bit and say, "Look, you know, if that, you know, maybe it's not. It shouldn't evolve as quickly as it is because it's it's not quite ready." Yeah, well, well, and another side of it is, uh, you know, I read this article. It was on Vice on their motherboard site, and it was talking to people who make Twitter bots. And uh, 
a lot of these folks' opinions was that Microsoft kind of did some Bush League moves <laughs> in terms of like, like making sure that it doesn't do things like this. Uh, that was sort of the feedback that this guy got from several folks that he interviewed that it's like, no, maybe, uh, no, we make sure that you don't, you know, uh, talk about things like, I don't know, Nazis. Yeah, there was no uh, filter, just, right? There's no like blacklist, right? Like, I don't yeah, think there's any right, blacklist so. on words at all. So it was like, what? what? <laughs> yeah, so it, it, you know, it was an interesting article. I don't know, maybe they were all lying, but probably not. I, I don't know. It was, it was, it was interesting to see, and and kind of surprising they didn't think about this. I don't know why, you know, like, or they could have. I don't know. There's so many things you could have done. Like, you could have set it up where you have the bot running. But it can't actually post like it sends it into some kind of gut or something. I don't know. But then again, I guess it was based on responses it was getting. So, I, you know, it seems like somehow there would have been a possibility for, uh, you know, testing this not publicly. This is very much a uh, we'll do it live kind of situation. Yeah. And uh, and I don't think that went so well for those. I feel dudes. like there was, there had to be like an intern in the back, like raising their hand, <laughs> like, uh, guys, I don't know if this is the best. Shut up. We're doing it. Okay. <laughs> like, you know, someone raised their hand and they were like, no, 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 it'll be fine. And uh, yeah, it wasn't yeah. fine. So, uh, that, man, that, uh, Crazy. that was, that was a funny day to watch though. So we'll see the progression there. Uh, we'll see, uh, what kind of, uh, just, uh, crazy attachment to, uh, to swastikas and, and Hitler, uh, we see with the future of AI. Uh, but for now, I think that, uh, Microsoft's probably got that in a holding tank somewhere. Uh, Guys, uh, you know, uh, this has been a pretty quick sh uh, show uh, because we're so, um, well, it's been awesome topics. Uh, but initially, the, the discussion around um, mental health is, uh, is certainly something that uh, we, we all need to be attached to and talk about a bit more. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about this week's uh, uh, sponsor, Pagely, um, who's exciting enough for uh, this third season of Pagely has been uh, has been very supportive of a drag cast unlike no other. So. Pagely is the most scalable WordPress hosting platform in the world, and if you haven't checked them out, head over to Pagely.com. They, they offer some uh, some pretty robust uh, hosting packages uh, around uh, managed WordPress. So most recently, they, they added a two-factor authentication mechanism, uh, extra layer of security to all of their Pagely customer accounts, so uh, adding a little bit of uh, protection to all of your account info. If you're looking for some custom DNS stuff, they've uh, recently also launched Press DNS, which autom automatically routes all of your user requests over to a page of the cache node nearest to them for faster response times. And if you're looking for a virtual private server, they now have rapid deploy VPSs available through Pagely in nine regions that they can deploy instantly for your uh, viewing pleasure. So check out Pagely.com if you're serious about your WordPress uh, website. You probably need to be serious about your host. You should be serious about talking to Pagely.com. Let's take this back a little old school. Brad, I want to take this back. I'm talking season one of DragCast, and let's hook up some bar tricks. Do it. Let me show you a bar trick. Dad. I I'm going to go ahead and kick this off and continue the theme of AI. I think we've talked about it before. Not along the same lines of what Microsoft was doing, but OpenAI, an open source project uh, that is really looking um, to set up and advance all of humanity 
with, with artificial intelligence. So if you're interested in checking that out, head over to openai.com, and that might be something that you're interested in getting involved with. Hopefully they keep robots from destroying us in the near future. <laughs> Please, that would be great. Uh, I got a fun one. So uh, last week, we uh, over at uh, we as in Web Dev Studios, we rolled out a, a new site called Pluginize, Pluginize dot com. Um, it's a it's a nice site that we are showcasing uh, all of our products. We got uh, some different products out there. Uh, some are free, some are paid. We want a nice spot to kind of have them all, so we can point people. Um, kind of see what we have out there, and we uh, with the launch uh, we released a new premium plugin called Custom Custom Post Type UI Extended, which is an extended version of the our free Custom Post Type UI. So um, the biggest uh, feature that this brings to the table is that you can now easily display that Custom Post Type data um, on your WordPress site without touching a line of code. So um, not only can you register those post types, but you can display that data wherever you like with a really simple to use short code builder. Has a few other features in there like multi-site uh, functionality, um, including your CPTs and your main blog and a few other things. So head on over to pluginize.com. We have a few uh, some cool videos you can check out and demos and kind of get a sense of how things work and look at some of the other products we got. Ed, what kind of bar trick you got for us? I didn't know I could talk about stuff that's going to make me money. All right, yeah, well, no, no that's, the, that's the only thing you should talk about. In there. <laughs> well, uh, since I'm I'm doing this instead of instead of uh, writing a bunch of uh, front end code for my day job, I'll talk about my day job, which is uh, <laughs> graphstory.com, uh, and we uh, are providers of fine uh, artisanal graph databases as a service. Uh, so what's a graph database? It's a database that it uses graph theory uh, in mathematic-wise uh, to create awesome uh, interrelated data networks and let you do analysis stuff that uh, would be very difficult or impossible to do with regular old SQL databases. Uh, so it can be a real good complement sometimes if you got existing stuff sitting around there. You can also bring in a, a graph database and do a different kinds of analysis on your stuff. Uh, it's used from everything from like recommendation engines to uh, fraud detection in the financial sector. Uh, I don't know if you guys caught that like Panama Papers thing that was like it was uh, this, oh, this yeah. leak of a bunch of financial information for like overseas accounts and hidden things and yeah, you know, actually, where uh, where uh, Gaddafi keep his cash and stuff like that and where it's Vladimir Putin putting his uh, his payoff money. Uh, well, all the analysis that the journalists did on that, it was all driven by the kind of graph databases that we sell access oh, to you? at hey. graphstory.com. Um, and uh, we uh, have plans that are as cheap as 10 bucks a month. Uh, you got a 14-day free trial, but you can get a, get a plan as cheap as 10 bucks a month. And we can deploy on AWS. We can deploy on Azure. We can deploy on Google Compute Engine. And DigitalOcean, so any of those places, you, and all over the world, any one of the regions that they support, we can put stuff in there, and it's all just put your money in, and it'll pop it out for you. It's all automated. And also, if you need help, you actually talk to me or the CTO. Uh, so when you, we got a little like web-based chat thing that works out real well, and uh, the, we're the people who help you out. So if you need help with anything, uh, we're folks to talk to. So if you're looking at maybe doing some custom app development. And you want to be able to like uh, answer lots of questions, maybe not anticipate them and feel like you have to change stuff, but try a different approach to it. You look into some graph database stuff, and and we're happy to help you on that. So that's graphstory.com is is where I'm at. 
Uh, graph Story can uh, show you how to get your graph-backed application up and running within minutes. Make sure to head over to graphstory.com. Thank you, Ed, for that. In fact, uh, the story uh, that, well, it dropped here recently about the Panama Papers was actually caused by a very well-outdated plugin in WordPress. Uh, we just dropped an article on it at maintain.com. So if you head over to maintain.com slash blog, two ends in maintain, uh, you can read up on that whole story. So, uh interesting enough that you brought that up man it's been a hell of a show and i really appreciate the dialogue and the very yeah. thoughtful discussion um uh i i'm i can't wait for this show to drop and people to hear it we, we're, we're gonna get to play this all over the world uh for folks and hopefully uh they they get in touch with you and talk to you a little bit about mental illness uh talk to you a little bit about open sourcing mental illness and the program that you got going on over at osmihelp.org uh thank you for all your work there where can folks find you if they want to dialogue directly with you well, uh, you can get me uh, the contact stuff. I see all that. So there's contact info there on osmihelp.org. Uh, my personal account on Twitter is probably the next best place to do it. And that's just uh, Funkatron, F-U-N-K-A-T-R-O-N. Uh, or just, you know, my email is at funkatron.com. You can just hit me up that way, too. And that's the, those are the best ways to get a hold of me if you uh, just want to talk to me about stuff you're dealing with or you want to uh, talk about maybe uh, how I might be able to we, – how we – because there's, there's, we got I got five or six volunteers that were helping out with me with this now. Awesome. Uh, yeah, it's really great. And um, how we can help out your workplace, how we can help out uh, maybe talk at your, your meetup or uh, talk to you about your you know, culture you've got going on there. Uh, we can do all that stuff. So, and I, or I'll point you in the right direction to find somebody who can. So, yeah, just hit me up any one of those places. Uh, but osmihelp.org is probably that, – that's going to get you to me real easy. Funky, funky. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, Bradimus Prime. Yes. Where can folks find you? You can find me on Twitter at WilliamsBA. And I am Adre Maida for the Rad Drad. I'm the doctor. Thanks for joining us on episode 94 with Ed Finkler. Deuces. Thanks for listening. If you have content for the show, want to submit to be a guest host, or just want to listen to previous shows, visit DradCast.com. While you're there, make sure you click the iTunes subscribe link to catch us on iTunes. Don't forget to follow at DradCast on Twitter. Join Brad and Dre for a new guest host next time on another episode of the DradCast. <laughs>